0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock, along with Kyle Davis. We'll be getting you up to date on everything going on with the Toronto Rock, especially over a very eventful weekend, a 9-8 loss to the Rochester Nighthawks on Saturday night at Air Canada Centre. We'll break everything down. As well, we will have Matt Sawyer, the head coach of the Toronto Rock, will join us on the program, and also... Defender and face-off man extraordinaire Brad Cree will drop by the uh, studio, as it were, as well. So without any further ado, we'll bring in uh, Kyle Davis now to the program. KD, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Happy to be here again. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. Obviously, uh, we could all be doing better if the Rock were 3-0, but two and but 2-1 and out of the gate isn't that bad. Uh, initial thoughts on Saturday's loss to the Rochester Nighthawks?
1: Initial thoughts, I thought it... Uh disappointing in the sense that I thought the game was really there for the taking even though I don't think the Rock brought their best to the table uh I didn't think they had a great first half there um but you know when you look at the box score at the end of the night they did dominate in shots taken loose balls face-offs and still only lost by one to a to a Rochester team that I think was was vulnerable losing Jameson early on in the game short-staffed up front there and uh disappointing I guess would be the word as you know the result wasn't what you wanted but two and one uh start the season you can't can't complain and you got to look ahead to Friday's game versus Buffalo
0: yeah and uh a lot of storylines for sure from this game uh we can talk about the stats a little bit you did mention um pretty well the Rock outstatted the Nighthawks pretty well everywhere up and down the board uh shots on goal 57-32 loose balls I think we're 98-51 in favor of the Rock uh, Toronto won 17 out of 21 draws. Brad Cree went 16 for 20 on his own. Uh, Sandy Chapman sliding in there to grab the other one. But uh, you look up and down and, uh, you know, The Rock, you know, if you're just to look at the stat sheet, it doesn't look like they did anything wrong. Unfortunately, they ran into a pretty hot goaltender in Matt Vince. And Like you said, the first half, we'll dive deeper into that with Matt Sawyer when he's here. But the first half was certainly something that, We hadn't really seen from the rock even going back to the preseason of the first two games is that the offense always seemed to be able to generate something and on saturday night they were generating shots maybe not quality shots at times but also just weren't getting anything to drop and this was the first time that the team struggled and my immediate reaction was you know let's see the second half and see how this team responds and they certainly responded in a big way and really pushed the nighthawks to the brink in the second half
1: yeah, for sure they uh, they definitely did that, and uh, getting some key guys back in the lineup too. Steph hasn't played at all this year. Hickey missed last game, so you know a couple guys were coming out from the the previous week there. So the the dynamic was changed up a bit there. I'm not sure, you know, if other guys on the floor maybe saw stick and or sorry, Hick and Steph back in the lineup and thought those are two of our our leaders up front and bigger guys, and you know maybe weren't shooting the ball as much as they were in previous games. But uh, I did think they did turn it around in the second half, and they made it, They made a great game of it down the stretch. And, you know, they got the ball in Hickey's hand for a last shot there to tie the game. He had four goals on the night, so really no one else, I guess, you want taking that shot. But, unfortunately, it just didn't drop, and uh, you move on.
0: Now, going into this week, uh, Dan Lintner was the only scratch, of course, for the Rock on Saturday night. He uh, was healthy. He was back from suspension, just uh, a scratch. This week, if you're head coach Matt Sawyer, what are you doing with the offense? As the way the lineup is structured, um, you know, you've got your one scratch on any given night is going to be an offensive guy. So it's going to be a lefty or a righty here. Um, do you put Littner back in? And uh, if so, who are you taking out?
1: I do put Littner back in. Um, I do think he had a great preseason i know he uh you know had nothing to show for it that game in rochester rochester on the board points wise but uh i do think he had a great preseason and and it's not like we uh, you know put up 15 this past past weekend over uh you know only putting up eight i think there there is room to uh to improve obviously and a guy he should be fired up not getting in the lineup this week to come back and contribute who you take out a little tougher perhaps um I don't think guys like Steph are coming out now that he's healthy again. You'd Maybe look at, uh, for instance, someone like Kieran McArdle. Um, Obviously, he's had good success early, but uh, still learning the game a bit, and uh, not necessarily for for lack of his play, but just wanting to get, you know, it's a numbers game and wanting to get Littner in there. Um, As he is learning the game, maybe sitting up top for one game wouldn't hurt, and he can see, you know, different stuff he might not see on the floor or in the heat of the moment while playing.
0: It's definitely uh, a tough decision or will be maybe a couple of tough decisions really for Matt Sawyer because another thing to look at is Jordan Magnuson who missed last week's game uh, back home in BC attending a family funeral and um, he's going to be back and ready and he didn't really do anything wrong the first two games of the season so you have to think there's going to be a decision to be made there as well so uh as we shift our focus a little bit to the buffalo bandits they've struggled a little bit out of the gate the only win they got was over the vancouver stealth a team that has struggled quite a bit and uh, does have a couple of wins but has struggled for sure in the last couple of weeks Um, Their struggles really kind of started, I think, with that game in Buffalo giving up 21 goals to the Bandits without Dane Smith in the lineup. So uh, when we look at this game on uh, Friday night, country night as well, we'll get into plugging that uh, also a little bit later on. But the Buffalo Bandits always seem to bring out the nastiness uh, or the nastiest from the Toronto Rock and uh, vice versa. What are you expecting from this Friday night's matchup with the Bandits?
1: I'm expecting a great great game at Pretty much a war. These it's no uh no secret. These teams do not like each other. Uh you know, they're usually they're always fighting for first first couple spots in the division there. The the proximity of the the two teams. Uh it's always a great matchup. I know they've had their history with the fisticuffs on the floor as well. Um people don't forget. Uh, these guys have played a lot of lacrosse against each other over the years, and I'm expecting it to be a rocking game in the Air Canada Center there. Buffalo one and three needs a win, you could say, Uh, you know, you go down to 1-4, and give Toronto the first game of the the tiebreaker, I guess, throughout the year, and you're putting yourself uh, in a predicament moving forward, so I'm expecting them to come out hard.
0: Yeah, we talked about this a little bit uh, off-air today here at the office, but when you look at things, we talked about it actually on-air as well last week on the program, but... um just how important every week is on the NLL schedule. And it's not, it can be a sales tool, I guess, for the Toronto Rock when we talk the business side of things. But at the same time, it's it's legit. Like you look at things right now, like we've talked about, you've got Buffalo at one and three, the Rock at two and one. You know, we saw how much this Toronto team struggled out of the gate 0 and 6 last year and how if you get buried early in the season in the NLL, it is really tough to make up that ground because with so much parity in the league it's not like you look at the schedule and think okay well you got an easy stretch here coming up where you could probably bag two or three wins it's a battle every single week so you've got one and three and two and one on either side of the board here coming into the weekend you know a buffalo loss puts them to one and four toronto goes three and one or vice versa it's two and two and two and three and like you already mentioned the tiebreaker could you know the The groundwork can be laid here for the tiebreaker going down the stretch. So um, just a a very interesting and uh, I'm sure potentially intense matchup here on Friday night. And uh, before we dive too much further into the program as well, we can talk a little bit about tickets and uh, country night and... This is your opportunity to take the floor and uh, let everybody know what's going on this weekend.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, last year we had a, a great country night and we wanted to build on it this year. we got a great band coming in, uh, the Abrams. They just recently opened up for Brett Kissel there. You can hear him on uh, KX94.7. Uh, still lots of great seats available, uh, but they are moving quick. We had a great country night package sell out. We'll actually have some some members from the package on the floor during halftime for the performance. You can uh, go to torontorock.com. For more information or contact us directly at 416-596-3075 and one of our account executives will be more than happy to get you set up. So in addition to the live
0: Boots and Hearts halftime show with the Abrams, there's also going to be Boots and Hearts passes given away to somebody in attendance. Uh, I think we just got word there's going to be some Eric Church tickets up for grabs for folks uh, at the game. There's also going to be a trip for trip to Nashville from Adventure House Travel that will be given away to somebody in attendance as well. So uh, beyond the lacrosse game on Friday night, there are a ton of other reasons to attend the game. And like Kyle said, TorontoRock.com for all your tickets. And uh, unfortunately, if you were looking to get your hands on one of those country night packages, they sold out very fast. Uh, Well over 500 packages So uh, we were uh, obviously Again sometimes we'll talk the business side here But we were very happy with how that all went And it was very well received obviously And some of those people are going to have the opportunity To be on the floor During the halftime performance Which is something unique Something we didn't do last year So, um, One thing I did actually want to address In the opening of the show here that I forgot about I didn't even make a note about But um, there was obviously a fairly lengthy delay in the game on Saturday night due to the lights not actually being up at full steam, we'll say. They weren't up to uh, the regular broadcast levels. So um, if people were kind of wondering, I know uh, you know I I was doing the PA again last week, so I did make an announcement about kind of what was going on, but if people were really looking close, it was a pretty odd situation. Um, The shutters on the lights actually just weren't opening. It wasn't really necessarily a, a power wattage issue I guess you could say but it was that the shutters were actually closed they couldn't get them to open and had they had to restart the system there would have actually been a 20-minute delay which wasn't something that we're really interested in uh, investing everybody's time in so what happened was uh, some of the good folks at Air Canada Centre actually went up on the catwalk and started prying the shutters open by hand so uh, it was uh, something that, as I'm sure everybody noticed, the lights actually got a little brighter and, and whatnot as the game went on. So uh, a little behind the scenes for you there, but uh, we do thank everybody in the crowd for their patience. And Iggy did a good job of keeping everybody kind of pumped up during that break, but it is something that, you know, you don't ever really account for. And interesting here, do you think that help, helped or hurt The Rock? Because The Rock were down 2 nothing, I believe, when the lights went out, but it was a pretty quick two nothing, and then uh, you know the team did get down three nothing. But do you think that did help the team refocus a little bit, or do you think it sucked the life out of them even further? What do you think the effect of it was?
1: No, I uh, personally I think it kind of kind of helped them. It looked early like two dropping early there. Uh, Rochester seemed to be rolling, and Toronto just wasn't quite quite ready yet uh, for them to kind of be able to debrief the first couple minutes there and go to the bench and i'm sure maddie said some words or the coaching staff had some words they could kind of refocus and at that point there still is lots of lacrosse left it's it's a game of runs too and goals can be at a premium in this sport so uh i personally think a break like that helped them and you know it could have even deflated rochester a little bit i know they did score a third quick one there but uh you know it gave time toronto gave toronto time to uh, to reset a bit and uh, kind of take go from th- go from there
0: Okay, well, we are uh, just about to bring in our first guest of the program here today on Toronto Rock Total Access. It's going to be the head coach of the Toronto Rock, Matt Sawyer. We'll dig into uh, all kinds of stuff, including how he started his uh, coaching career in the junior ranks and where that was, and some fun ties, we'll say, in the past. So we've got all that and more, including Brad Cree. We'll stop by here. Uh, on the program as well today so we'll take a short pause here and be back with more toronto rock total access in a moment welcome back to toronto rock total access mike hancock along with kyle davis we now welcome in our first guest on the program here today matt sawyer Head coach of the Toronto Rock, Matty, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, So we're sorry we didn't have you on in week one, but we had to have the boss on first. So uh, we have the head coach here in studio with us, and we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff, but... um, we talk, we're want to we glad, actually, we were going to call this the Hawks Nest here, was what we were originally going to call this, which uh, is a little bit of an inside joke between Matt and I because back in way back in 2004, we always have to mention the, the Halton Hills Bulldogs on this show apparently as uh, often as we can, but Matty actually was uh, co-head coach, we'll call it, back in 2004 of the Bulldogs, and we made a trip to Akwesosney, uh one year for the playoffs, and they had a nice little setup with their radio uh, situation there. Local radio covers all the games of... Uh, of the Aquasaucea Junior B team, uh, the Hawks Nest. And at one time, Matty said, you know, hey, like, we, we, one day we got to have our own Hawks Nest. So this is this is it. This is finally the Hawks Nest coming to life here today on the uh, Toronto Rock Total Access podcast. There, so, you,
2: there you go. Yeah, that was a good setup. They even went on the road, too. <laughs> They did, actually, yeah. which is yes.
0: quite rare in Junior B Lacrosse that uh, a local radio station would be going on the road with the team, but uh, they have a pretty loyal fan base there, so uh, a lot of fun. But uh, anyways, let's uh, let's chat a little bit about you, uh, Maddie, Of course, uh, some of the Toronto Rock fans, very familiar, I'm sure, with uh, your coaching career and your past, but uh, others may not be so familiar, and you've definitely been around the block in the National Lacrosse League for for quite some time, really, back uh, into the early part of the 2000s, so well over a decade of experience in the league. Um, let's go back, though, not too far to your first head coaching job in the league with the Boston Blazers, and it was a time where you had been an assistant coach with the Toronto Rock for for a little bit of time. Uh, shortly after Jamie bought the team, you, know, you were brought in with the group in uh, 2010 and uh, in 2011, ended up uh, deciding to take a job with Boston maybe talk a little bit about how that all went down and uh and that experience your first head coaching job in the league with the Blazers in 2011.
2: Yeah um you know it was was obviously a a good opportunity it wasn't something that um that I was expecting uh to be doing that year uh if I remember on the timeline that right uh Boston uh, decided to make a change uh, late in their, uh, their training camp and um I got a I guess a call, and they reached out to me right around Christmas time, um, and it was just uh, an opportunity that I was looking for. And, and um, the uh, circumstances might not have uh, been ideal, but uh, at the time, there's uh, there's ten head coaching jobs in this league, so it was something that uh, that I wanted to pursue. And and thankful at the time that uh, Terry and Jamie gave me uh, that opportunity. And uh, um, you know, I guess the the rest is history. It was uh, it was a good time. It was a great learning experience. Um, uh, for the league uh you know boston was a great market and um you know you have uh you just just wished it uh had had more time there it was a one year uh, one year shot and and we knew that going in that we were going to have to be real successful and and if we didn't uh didn't uh, advance real deep in the playoffs basically make uh make a championship run um that was going to be the last year so we knew all of that going on or going into it uh they had a real good team, a deep team and Uh, we just uh, weren't able to be successful enough but it was it was a great opportunity and definitely a better coach for having gone through it and what do you think when you look back at that time in Boston
0: what what do you think didn't work for that team in that market Uh, attendance was kind of uh, up and down all over the place uh, really through the through the short term that the franchise was back in Boston of course the I guess second time around that they had had a team in Boston so uh, what do you think it was, though, that just didn't seem to work? They tried a lot of different promotions, some good, some bad, we'll say, and we'll leave it at that, but, uh, you know, what was it that didn't work there?
2: Well, you, you mentioned attendance, and, um, you know, in, in my time there in that year, it was uh, it was quite regular to uh, to play in front of four or 5,000 fans, and any time you're in a big city like that and, and you're leasing the arena, um, we all know the costs that, uh, that are involved with that. It just uh, doesn't add up uh, as a recipe for success, so... Um, you know, it, it's funny because it is a good market as far as uh, lacrosse, not so much box lacrosse. Even uh, though they had the history there with the uh, the Blazers before, but it is a is a uh, lacrosse area in, in the U.S. Uh, with field lacrosse, and uh, it's just too bad. Cause it's a world class city, it'd be nice to still have them in the league. But uh, um, you know, my job was there to, to go there and coach, and and uh, it wasn't the I wasn't losing money out of my pocket like I know the owners were there. So ultimately, uh, I'm sure they're just losing too much money and they didn't see that it was uh, an opportunity to be successful there and they decided to close up shop, which unfortunately we've seen uh, a few times in this league.
0: Now, of course, the team, like you mentioned, uh, you know, closes up shop after the 2011 season. You end up coming back to Toronto in, a so- in an assistant coaching role, not on the bench, but uh, an assistant coaching role. And then eventually work your way back onto the bench uh, last season, and then into a head coaching uh, role this year. But when you go back to coming back to the Rock organization in 2012, um, you know I guess it's every every guy's you know goal to get back to being a head coach. But did you think even back then that it would end up being with the Rock that you would get another shot as a head coach, or did you think that perhaps it was going to be something that? would end up landing in a different market uh you know when you look back to when you did come back to the rock in 2012
2: yeah well the you know any coach who's uh who's in the league uh, who's not a head coach i think they're all um you know your your ultimate goal is to eventually get that opportunity i didn't foresee it happening in toronto toronto had uh you know has a, a rich history of success and and uh at that time, um, you know they were, they were coming off of a, a championship, so I was just thankful that, uh, that they wanted me back and, and gave me an opportunity to come back, but uh, um, you know I, w- I wanted to be in the league, and that was the opportunity, so uh, I wasn't going to pass that up, and, and uh, very thankful at the time of Jamie and, and Troy Cordingley and, and Terry Sanderson um, um, to welcome me back, uh, considering that uh, the year before, I, I left on the eve of the season. And when you, uh, you know, when you when you go all the way
0: back, and you know, I don't want to kind of say all the way back, maybe to, to the early days of your coaching career, but um, even when you think about where you've been in Ottawa, Montreal, Boston, Toronto, a previous uh, <clears throat> time, of being on the bench as an assistant coach for the 05 Championship, but. Just to take a step back now and then sit there and say, you know, you're the, coach, the head coach of the Toronto Rock. It's, it's kind of like in, in an NHL situation, you're kind of like being the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens or the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, or the, the manager of the New York Yankees, really, right? Like, this is, this is the primo spot. It really is the, the primo job in the NLL. And, uh, you know, do you ever stop to think about uh, just the situation you're in and, uh, you know, being the head coach of kind of the franchise in the National Lacrosse League?
2: Well, y- you're right. Um, you know, I think everybody, especially uh, when you're in the, uh, you know, um, southern Ontario area, uh, as far as the, the NLL goes and, and everything that goes into it, the uh, uh, the place you want to be is in, in Toronto. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's at, at the same time, there comes a lot of responsibility uh, with that. And, you and, uh, we, uh, we realize the expectations here so um, you know it's not something that I take lightly of course um, you know it's uh, I'm very thankful for it it's uh, it's uh, good for uh, good for me and good for my family and and my kids and my wife and, and also uh, you know uh, my mom and my brother they get to enjoy that and, and see it up close so uh, it's something that uh, we want to make sure is uh, uh, lasts a long time, and uh, we are uh, successful at it and, and do a good job here. It's uh, um, Don't take that lightly at all, and, and uh, we plan on, uh, on being here for a while, so we need to do the right things.
1: Matt, I wanted to ask you one thing. I, I touched base with this Rosie last week on the podcast about it. Um, when you became the, you know, you got the head coaching job there. How important it was for you to go out and uh, identify Bruce Cott as a as a potential head co- or assistant coach to come back and uh, and work back in Toronto with you here, and what he's meant to the the team early.
2: Yeah, um, you know, Bruce was uh, my—I my, guess my first head coaching job. If you want to uh, rewind all the way back to when I got the opportunity to to coach the uh, the junior, uh, the Orangeville Junior A Northman in, in Orangeville was my first opportunity. Coming off of the the year after that, I was in Halton Hills. Uh, Bruce was the the first person that I reached out to. Um, obviously, uh, somebody that I was uh, familiar with, and I, and I coached him myself as a as an assistant coach and. Uh, you know it was just a, a perfect fit um, at the time when I got the, uh, the Toronto job uh, Bruce was, uh, was still in, in employed uh, in Calgary so it was something that uh, that uh, we were hoping to do but we weren't uh, sure if we were going to be able to and, and um, just very thankful that uh, one you know Calgary gave him the opportunity to uh, coach closer to home and Bruce is—he's a, a great coach, and uh, you know he's a future head coach in this league, and and uh, him as well as Blaine Manning and Pat Campbell, we feel we have a real strong coaching staff, and and um, you know we lean on each other, and and none of us uh, pretend to know everything, and and um, you know I've said it before, but but we truly believe it. We're we're very much as a team, as a coaching staff, and uh, I really uh, rely on those guys uh, a lot, and. Uh, um, Bruce has been excellent for us so far, and, and uh, uh, we expect that uh, to continue. Obviously, he's got a defensive background, and, and you're seeing some of the fruits of his labor here early in the season. Um, you know, our plan here is to be strong from the, the from goaltending out, and, uh, and it's uh, I'm sure is helpful when you got somebody of his caliber there directing the D. Yeah, no, for sure. I totally agree with you. And you were mentioned there early
1: in the season. Uh, another thing I wanted to pick your brain about was everything from December 1st, uh, Hammer and I were kind of talking about it in the office, has, has went pretty smooth. You know, winning the three exhibition games. I know they're exhibition, they don't really mean much at all, but just uh, starting 2-0. I just wanted to get your opinion on... It, to, to draw positive i guess from a little adversity early in a tough division loss last saturday 9-8 and uh how you can build on that moving forward obviously you want every win but uh you know the reality is it happened and we got to move on
2: you know, you're, you're right and um you know and, and we put a little more emphasis on the uh, the preseason this year especially with uh with the turnover that uh, that we have with this uh with this team and and um, you know if my math is right I think we've used in the three games in the regular season we've used 10 either first or second year players uh, there's been a lot of uh, good things going on here and, and we're going in the right direction and, and trying to build on that speaking about uh, last uh, you know I guess last Saturday night's loss to Rochester it was uh, you know it was one that I'm sure we'd like to have back but you're going to have ups and downs throughout the season uh, you have to try to draw some positives from it but we also have to learn from it Um it was, uh, you know, it was a game that we felt uh, uh, was winnable for us. Full marks to Ro- uh, to Rochester. They uh, they deserve that win. And um, you know, the disappointing uh, part is we just uh, we just felt that um, you know, in order us to, uh, for to be successful in the success that we did have throughout the uh, preseason and, and the first couple of games, we weren't. Uh, we didn't play that same kind of game on Saturday night. So that's what you would like to have back, but. You can't, um, you know, you can't dwell on it. Uh, you have to, uh, you have to forget it quickly. We're up here on uh, Friday night against uh, another divisional opponent in, in Buffalo, and and you're right back at it. So you got to take the positives from it. Try to uh, try to grow from that. Um, try not to, uh, you know, got to have a short memory and, and forget about what went wrong and and try to make your corrections and move forward. And <clears throat> focusing on the positives, there, what
0: you know, what are the positives that you're gonna kind of reinforce here? At practice tonight with the guys uh, going into Friday.
2: Well, uh, if you look at that game, I don't think there's too many of uh, you know of our players that would say that they they had their uh, what you want to call their A game. Um, you know, we had a few bright spots uh, individually for sure, but you know we, we felt that we didn't play that strong and and we struggled early on. Um, you know, Rosie. Uh, was fighting the ball most of the night, and having said that though, we, we still only allowed nine goals in, in the end, uh, we were able to produce eight up front, obviously it uh, uh, wasn't enough because uh, they scored nine, but out of those eight goals, like uh, the difference between that game and the first two, we didn't create any transition, we were able to do that both on our power play, which improved uh, from game one and two, and our five-on-five offense, so um, you know, you got to try, try to draw from that and uh, realize what we are. And, uh, you know, we're a product of, uh, of hard work, which every coach says. But with this team, um, you know, we need to work uh, game in and game out. Uh, we really emphasize and focus on the uh, the little things and, and the execution. And, and we felt as a, as a staff that, you know, we had more turnovers and threw the ball away. We weren't valuing the ball in the first half there than, than uh, maybe the first two games combined. So uh, you take the positives at the same time. You're looking at, uh, um, at the negatives and what you didn't do well, and, and you try to... Uh, combine those two and, and move on and focus on Buffalo, which is going to be a whole different challenge, and they're going to be coming in there hungry. Um, we know where they sit in the standings, we sit in the standings, and it's another divisional game, and you don't want to lose too many of them at home. Now you look at two uh, guys who were
0: reinserted in the lineup last week, Brett Hickey and Stephen LeBlanc. Uh, between them, they had five of the team's eight goals uh, on Saturday night. Is it is it more difficult to insert a a guy a more prominent guy in the lineup than trying to put in a piece so to speak because you know we saw reen reinhold and phil caputo come into the game against saskatchewan the offense function very well and not to say the offense didn't function well <coughs> excuse me this past saturday night but is it is it tougher to reinsert uh, you know guys who play a more prominent
2: role uh to be honest i, I don't think so uh fair question uh looking at the results from uh, from last game but uh you know, Brett and uh, and Steph are uh, are real good players for us, and and they're uh, they're leaders on this team, and and um, you know their talent level is such that uh, you have to find a way to, to be able to do that and and uh, insert them and match them with what we've already with um, with what we've already been uh, doing up front uh, on the offensive end with the two offensive guys coming in. Uh, you know, um, we should be better for having those guys in the lineup. Uh, so we will be moving forward and. Uh, in Steph's case, uh, that was his first, uh, first action in, uh, in about a month or, or five weeks uh, um, because he's been on the IR, and um, you know, it's, uh, it's something that as a coaching staff and, and as a team, uh, we need to make work. But um, you're, you're never not going to want those guys in the lineup. They're, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're game breakers, and, and they will be for us moving forward.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to uh, – you mentioned Buffalo's coming in. They're going to be coming in hot there. Uh, you know, Obviously, you mentioned where they are in the standings and how big of a game this is for them. I uh, just wanted you to touch base a little bit. Uh, on I know there might be down Dane Smith, maybe not. Who knows what's going on with him? But uh, Ryan Benesh has really stepped up for them early, uh, being a, one of the most offensive threats in the league, arguably. And, uh, and how you approach a, a guy like that and uh, with his, his ability and what he can do when he's on.
2: Yeah, you're you're right. He's a he's a great uh, great player. No doubt about it. He's one of those players that I say if they get uh, you know if they get they're a 75% guy. If they get four good looks, they're putting three in the net. So. Um, he's somebody that uh, is a real smart player off ball, and, and you have to pay a lot of attention to him. Almost check him like he has the ball when he is when he is off ball. Um, you know, he scored a lot of goals in this league, so he's somebody that we'll definitely be uh, emphasizing uh, in video and and um, you know and, and with our personnel and, and how we want to defend him. At the same time, we're a big believer in uh, you know we. It doesn't matter what kind of game plan or, or what you do against uh, opposition players uh, if your game isn't at the, uh, the um, you know, where it should be. And we need to be good, uh, worry about ourselves and, and worry about what we do well and, and be confident that if we're, uh, if we get that kind of game and if we have that kind of execution, that it's, uh, it's going to be good enough and it's going to stand up uh, against anyone. But uh, you know, you mentioned Ryan, but Buffalo's uh, a real deep team and, and they got a lot of weapons and, and um, you know they play a fast style and and they were in the uh, you know they're in the championship game last year and and um, you know they'll uh, they'll be a test for us for sure and and uh, you know they're defending Eastern champions, so you got to be able to get up for that.
0: So just to quickly go back to the Rochester game for one second, <clears throat> and this is just something that we've we've touched on a little bit on the show already just about the uh, the lighting delay that took place in the game uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday but uh, you know how did that uh, you know how did that affect the team at that point in the game given that uh, things got off to a slow start Rochester got off to a fast start but what are you doing on the bench as the coach? Uh, are you talking to the players? Are you looking up at the lights? Is it uh, okay, guys? Let's get this going. Make a decision one way or the other. Are we playing or are we uh, lighting candles here? Like what? What were you guys? What were you guys doing on the bench while that was all going on? Well,
2: we were searching for a lamp or something <laughs> to get a little bit more light out there. But um, you no, know, at the, at the time, um, well, I guess it was, it was around the one minute mark, right? And they had scored two goals, but uh, the lights were going up and down, so it was just. Uh, uh, from that standpoint, you just want to get some consistency. And, and Todd uh, LeBranch there, he stopped the game, and, and um, you know there was a little bit of a delay. But we we're talking on the bench that um, you know ho- ho- uh, we were hoping that that be, would be to our advantage because Rochester sure came out flying. And um, you know if you're on the other side of it, you probably wanted to keep that game going. So there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, so it's not something that uh, that you can worry about. You just try, need to try to f- uh, block it out and, and keep your focus. And um, you know it was. Uh, it was different, uh, definitely a different start to the game, but it didn't have any impact on it.
0: Now coming into this week, there uh, obviously could be some potential lineup decisions uh, that need to be made. Jordan Magnuson will be uh, back and available this week, and he's obviously a guy who was in the lineup for each of the Rocks' first two wins. Um, you don't need to tip your hat necessarily here as to what's going to go on down the stretch uh, this week leading up to... Uh, Friday night's game against Buffalo but uh, is this good good decisions to have right now the depth and, and having to make some difficult decisions with the roster here already
2: well they, they are if, you, uh, if you're in a position where you don't um, you know, don't have to make decisions one you're either uh, not very deep, not very good or, or you have a lot of injuries so you always want to have decisions to make and, and you want them to be hard ones so you just hope that, uh, that you're right more often than not In Jordan's case, um, you know, Jordan's uh, been real good for us throughout the preseason and and the first two games he had to return home to BC for some uh, personal reasons and uh, uh, he, um, you know, have no problem saying that Jordan's going to draw back into the lineup. He hasn't uh, done anything to lose the spot and, and we're excited about having him back and we'll get him back out on the floor here tonight and and uh, we'll move forward there. But uh, our lineup isn't set. The guys will know here in the next 24 hours. But, uh, you know, we'll have to make a couple of decisions. But we're, we're happy to get Jordan back.
0: All right. Well, uh, we'll let you go, Maddie. And uh, I know you got uh, some work to do here before practice gets underway and the team jumps into their video session. So thank you very much for joining us on the program. We look forward to doing this again. And uh, enjoy the week here leading up to the game.
2: Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Matty. All right, that was Toronto Rock Head Coach Matt Sawyer joining us on the program. We'll take a short break on Toronto Rock Total Access and be back with Bradley Cree in just a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock, along with Kyle Davis, bringing you everything you need to know about the Toronto Rock. And at this time, we're going to welcome in our second guest of the program, Mr. Face-Off, number 20, Bradley Cree. Bradley, how are you doing?
3: Good. How are you, Mr. Hammer Hancock?
0: <laughs> Here we go. I'm good. Uh, I guess we should start off by saying that uh, Bradley and I have known each other for a while. Brad played for the... Uh, Halton Hills Bulldogs through the uh, early part of his junior career before going on to the Junior A Northmen, and actually um, for the team for which I am the general manager, and also Kyle Davis played with uh, Bradley Cree through his uh, first first year of junior?
3: Yeah, first, first year of junior,
0: yeah. junior, yeah, 2009, so uh, we all know each other, great Bulldog ties, couldn't be a better uh, way to keep the show going, so... Um, bradley why don't we start off by uh let's take let's take it back a little bit back to when you were drafted by the toronto rock and uh that first season that you had on the practice roster and kind of uh maybe just talk about that season and where you think you were after that season and and kind of what's developed since then in terms of the development of your career and and maybe looking back at that as a bit more of a learning experience now than maybe when you were going through it
3: yeah i guess it was uh pretty surreal getting drafted to the rock uh Surrounded myself with a lot of good good guys, good teammates, like uh, learned a lot from a lot of the D guys, like I guess Sandy Chapman and Patrick Merrill and, and all those guys, so it was a, couldn't have asked for a better start really. I mean, didn't get to play, but kind of sat the whole year on the sidelines and it was a real good uh, learning experience, I guess, and ended up uh, playing two years out west in Vancouver and kind of brought that kind of first year mm-hmm. with me and luckily enough made my way back here and things have been going pretty good so far speaking of the bulldogs uh, the phone was just
0: buzzing with a prospective player from the united states <laughs> so uh why
3: don't we just talk about the bulldogs we
0: could we'll, we will we will but we gotta we gotta, <laughs> we gotta limit our bulldog talk here but the next part i want to talk about you did talk about going to play for vancouver things didn't work out for you going through their training camp last year You ended up in Calgary for a short amount of time as well, for for a week, maybe a couple days. Really, you got into an exhibition game there. Um, Maybe talk a little bit about that experience too, where you know Vancouver, a team that you had invested some time in, they had invested some time in you as well over a couple of seasons, and then you know you end up. Trying to grab a spot in Calgary, that doesn't work out, and then you land with The Rock. Maybe talk about those uh, couple of weeks of uncertainty, I guess, that you went through in your career last year.
3: Yeah, so basically after uh, the stealth training camp, I had phone calls from The Rock, Jamie, obviously, and Calgary. Um, obviously, my first choice mm-hmm. was to come back home and play for Toronto, um, but then again, Jamie, training camp was all, are already over, so... He, you know, He's loyal to his guys, and basically he already made his team, so there wasn't really an active roster spot, which I respected 100%. So in, real, uh, in, in Calgary, there was, there was uh, a chance for me to still make the active roster because they still had one more exhibition game. So um, I, I ended up signing there for, for the rest of their training camp. And basically, the only thing that they offered was a practice roster spot as well. So it just made sense to come back home and start the uh, start the year on the practice ro- roster with Toronto, and then it ended up working out. I think it was only on it really for one game, and then after that, I, I think I played every other game. So so yeah, it's been. Uh, it's been, I think it was a good choice.
0: <laughs> yeah, it looks that way so far,
3: <laughs> for sure. Brad, one thing I wanted to uh, touch
1: base about was uh, you really honed the face-off <clears throat> off skills. I think Hammer and I were talking here. 15 for 20 or something. 16 for Six, 20. 16 for 20. 80%, past, just like you weekend. probably always saw on your report cards in school, right? 80%. 80, 85, yeah, if you yeah. right. I
3: can't really remember. but, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyways,
1: great, great weekend uh, you know, in the face-off dot there. I just wanted to know uh, from your perspective a couple things. A, how important it was for you to really hone in on a skill such as the face-off that's needed um, and how important you think that was to you you know, becoming growing as a player and becoming a full-time active roster every every game contributor in the, in this league.
3: Yeah. Uh Well. To, like, there's no. I don't think there's any room in this league for straight face-off men. You know what I mean? Like, you have to play. You have like, there's no room to like. There's there's only what 18 guys on a, on an active roster that are actually playing a game, so you can't really hide players. Like, if you're if you're dressing, you got to play. So, um, I kind of just. I kind got, got pushed into the role. I mean, last year there wasn't really any any guys to take face-offs when Patty went down, so I just kind of stepped into it, and it's kind of been going good good since then. Uh, I said last year, basically, I mean, it's not just me taking the face-off. It's the four other guys on the ball team. Like, <laughs> you got... Brody Merrill, uh, Challen Rogers, Sandy Chapman, Jesse Gamble, like Latrell Harris, like those, those, those. Basically, I guess you could say that's my that's my secret weapon to the faceoffs.
1: Some vacuums coming in <laughs> off the line there.
3: <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I I do my job, just getting the ball out, kind of thing, and then those guys are there to, to pick the ball up. So,
0: now outside of the NLL, um, you've had a pretty good run winning championships, and I want to talk about just kind of what you've learned along all those ways or along the steps along the way. Halton Hills Bulldogs in 2010 win the Founders Cup. Uh, 2012 win the Minto Cup with the Orangeville Northmen. And 2015? Yep. Man Cup with yep. the Victoria Shamrocks. Uh, a pretty impressive run. You've done it all in Canadian lacrosse, basically, except for win the President's Cup, which maybe you'll do later in your career, like yeah, everybody with, seems to do. With the Bulldogs, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> but... Um, But, like, was that, you know, you're going through that, you just keep winning. You know, did it seem like, you know, you just couldn't lose? Like, not many players are able to accomplish that trio of championships, let alone just win that often. But there's not too many players that have a Founders Cup, Minto Cup, and Man Cup in their whole careers. And, yeah, you've done it uh, at a very early age. Like, you're going through that. Could you believe it all as it's going on?
3: It is. It's happened way too quick. Um, like I said, I just kind of been in the right place at the right time. Played with a bunch of good teams. Uh, starting, starting with with uh, with Halton Hills. Like that was pretty special to do it. And uh, with uh, the guys I grew up with, kind of thing, battling in and out all through minor and and stuff like that. So that started off real special. And then after that, two years after that, uh, I was lucky enough to get a call from Maddie and end up signing with Orangeville and again that season happened so quick got taken into orangeville and it was you know a real good summer it was it was almost a blur now but you look back at it and it was it was one of the best summers uh, of my life and then first year senior um got a taste at the man cup in six nations we uh, fell short there and mm. kind of had a good taste at that and, and realized that that's you know that's definitely what i want to do i want to stay in victoria again and and, and build that and Turns out it paid out for me, paid off for me. Sorry, and uh, we won. We went at home in Victoria, which w- was real special, and uh, even better that my mom came to last two the last two games that I got in actually in in Victoria, and it was just a sold out crowd there, and is another just memory that I'm gonna have forever.
0: You know, you can say that you turned around the series when you were inserted in the lineup, or I'll say it. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, well, you can I, jump in I was just
1: going to say there too For uh, Toronto Rock fans It sounds uh, positive moving forward Because all Brad Cree does Is uh, bring winning to the to the table here <laughs> Hopefully soon enough Get that NLL championship For yeah. sure But uh, another thing I wanted to ask you Brad Was uh, coming off a tough division loss Versus Rochester this past weekend We've kind of dialed into it a little bit But I uh, wanted to see your thoughts On on how important it is Rebounding uh, you got another division Coming in this week, short uh, short week, you know, Saturday right back at it, Friday there. How uh, how important it is to to rebound, get back uh, in the W column there, and uh, get rolling again on a little streak that the season started on.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's real important. Um, I mean, like we started off real hot, two two game winning streak, right? So uh, kind of got this uh, this bad taste in our mouths right now that we got to get out quick. So um, it, it's literally night and day, winning and losing, right? I know no one's no one's happy about that loss, so. Um, hopefully we can uh, get back to the win column this Friday at the Arcana Centre.
0: Also, uh, <clears throat> when you talk about the matchup with the Bandits the last couple of years, a uh, number of years, Jay Thornbert has been the guy at the dot for them. A little bit of a relief to not have to face him this Friday, or?
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I mean, he's not out of the league. He's still in our, <laughs> still in our, uh, in our conference. But uh, I don't know, I. I don't. I don't think it's really like. I kind of. It seems like no matter who's taking the face off, it kind of always ends up around the same. Now, like it's just uh, to me, it's, it's it's a mind game, really. So, I don't look. I don't look at it as taking it any lighter, to be honest. Because, uh, yeah, like I said, to me, it, it's just a mind game, and uh, who's who's on the floor, right? So. Do you put any
0: stock into the uh, preseason win at all? That you had over the bandits, given that it did come late in the preseason when both teams did have uh, pretty well their rosters set? any Anything that you can draw from that game that you take into this weekend? Uh, do you already know each other so well anyways that it doesn't really matter.
3: Yeah, not really. I mean, like Maddie always says, you know, expect to win. Like We, we expect to win every game, right? So, I mean, preseason's preseason. I mean, I don't think anyone's really thinking about that.
1: No, for sure but uh also one thing brad i wanted to do to you uh while you were here i uh, wanted to apologize to you uh you know on the podcast <laughs> here i did notice you were taking some some rips out on the track there and uh yeah. i questioned what you're doing working on your shot as a d guy as i don't give you credit as much credit as maybe you deserve for getting up there and getting an opportunity and you uh came back right in my face and buried one versus saskatchewan there so uh my sincere apology for that and, uh, you know, best of luck moving forward working on that shot and, you know, finding that
3: a couple more times this year. I appreciate that, Kyle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did that goal give
0: you a little more confidence, though, knowing that you hadn't scored in a while, we'll say? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess so, I guess so. You hit uh, the New Year's resolution right away.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I hope that's not the only one. I said to score more goals, not one goal, true, so true. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to try and stop there. I think I'm going to maybe, maybe try to uh, pot a couple more.
0: All right. Well, you heard it here first. Bradley Cree at least putting up one this weekend against (laughs) Buffalo on Friday. (laughs) Many more. All right. Well, uh, Bradley, thanks a lot for joining us here on the program. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back again. This was uh, good stuff. Oh, do we have to – sorry, yeah. Before we wrap this up, actually, we did talk a little bit about housemates last week. And Nick Rose actually gave you some serious props in terms of being the guy who's actually chipping in, helping – to clean up the house right now with Jordan Magnuson and Challen Rogers as your other roommates right now, uh, anything to throw back there? Like was Rosie on point with his comments, or he couldn't be—he could
3: be more on point. Yeah, you know we're <laughs> we're dealing with a bunch of kids here, <laughs> West Coasters even to say that. Oh, so, all right. uh, yeah, it's tough, but uh, you know Nick, Nick and I are, are battling through to keep the house clean, and uh, you know hopefully uh, hopefully Challen and Jordan hear this and maybe they figure it out.
0: Yeah. Well, now when they're on the show at some point this season, are they going to tell us a different story as to what's actually going on?
3: I didn't start this. Nick started this, so I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Maybe they might be making some stuff up now that I just called them out. But yeah. No, it's, it's going good. It's going good at the house. All right. All right. That's good
0: to hear. All right. that uh, That's Bradley Creed number 20 in the Toronto Rock. Of course, he and the Rock will take on the Buffalo Bandits on Friday night at Air Canada Centre. So we're going to take a short break here, and then we'll be back to wrap up the show. Kyle Davis and Mike Hancock on Toronto Rock Total Access. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access, Mike Hancock with Kyle Davis, and this is our final segment of the show, we've got some fun stuff to uh, come your way, we're going to throw out our predictions for the game, a few final thoughts as well, a little public service announcement from Kyle, but before we get to that, we are going to play a little bit of everybody's favorite game at home, Rave Reviews, after week one, but it is time for another installment of Short Term, Long Term Trade. And we're each going to have one this week. So I'm going to throw one at Kyle. Kyle's going to throw one at me. So Kyle's going to be on the hot seat first. So here we go. Short-term, long-term trade. Here's Kyle's group, and it's a tough one. Callum Crawford of the Colorado Mammoth. And then a pair of players from the Vancouver Stealth. Reese Dutch and Garrett Billings, former member of the Toronto Rocks. So, short-term, long-term trade. All three guys are around the same age. Dutch and Billings are the same age. So, Kyle,
1: hot seat, it's yours. Yeah, another tough group, just like last week there, Hammer, but uh, we'll, we'll give it a shot here and, and see what we can do. Some Toronto fans may not like this answer that are still <laughs> a little attached to, to Billings, but uh, I'm going to start there and Billings is going to be my trade. Uh, I know he's been traded twice in his career, as we, we've discussed, and uh, so hypothetically, here, going to trade him for his third time. Um, reasoning would be, you know, he, he's a little nicked up to start the season this year. Uh, I know he had a, a couple massive seasons in Toronto here, but, uh, you know, last year he had the knee surgery there as well, and uh, I just think his body's. Maybe a little bit of wear and tear over the last couple of years and could potentially be on the decline, you know, moving forward here. Still obviously a, a great offensive threat every time he's on the on the floor. But once again, you know, got to play the cards that are given to you within the game. Long term, uh, or we sh- short term, sorry, Crawford, Callum Crawford. Uh, short term because, you know, he had a monster season last year. Early indications this year, he's having uh, another monster season as well. I know they got, uh, you know, the big trade Jones for Greer, um, but, you know, Jones was a big part of that offense last year as well. Grant's kind of been in and out of the lineup this year to start, so it looks like, you know, Callum's getting a lot more looks over there in the ball and his stick a lot more too as well. Um, Nobles on the, a little banged up right now. I noticed didn't play last week, uh, so opens up the right side even more for him there to to get an opportunity. So I'm going to take him short term, and uh, you know hope he can have a big year, big season, or or big game. And then long term, that leaves me with Reese Dutch. Uh, you know, watching him play growing up, played against him uh, a little bit in, in senior. At times, and always thought he was uh, a great ball player. heck of a threat every time on the floor. He's put him in small in Vancouver right now. I've had a great start to the season. He was a top, you know, scorer in the league last year. If I recall, we recently won a Man Cup with Victoria two years ago. Um, I like what he brings to the table, and I think he could uh, still be a big part of an offense or a team moving forward for a long period of time.
0: All right, so uh, <clears throat> like Kyle was worried about uh, before the show, this will be his last podcast. Yeah traded my good friend garrett billings but anyways uh all right so i'm ready throw them at me buddy
1: so uh yeah i got a three pack of younger right-handed offensive guys so keep to the theme of the righty offensive guys and it's going to be randy stats of the georgia swarm jeremy noble of the colorado mammoth and curtis knight of the saskatchewan rush well, this is a pretty tough group because uh, <clears throat> these are three
0: guys that we've all seen a ton of here in Ontario. They all had brilliant junior careers. I think everybody knows these, these guys very, very well. I'll start with my long-term. I'll jump in with Randy Stotts. Um, he's a guy who his junior career kind of got slowed down a little bit by injury at one time. But has obviously proven that uh, he's bounced back from those injuries and right now is looking like he is already one of the premier players in the league and is going to be pretty well i think the focal point of that uh, georgia offense probably for the next uh, 10 years potentially on my short term and this is uh, really only because he has had some injuries uh, so far well i guess one significant one so far in his career Curtis Knight, and not saying that he may be susceptible to another injury, but also he's a guy that uh, in his current situation in Saskatchewan, even though he did lead the team in scoring a couple of years ago, I don't think he's the guy there. Um, So maybe have to look at squeezing him in short term, especially if we're talking as a a rush team perspective here, that it could be tough to squeeze all those guys in and, and get everybody the ball. Which leaves me with trading Jeremy Noble, which uh, would be tough to do, especially given I was a huge fan of Jeremy's, especially in junior. I thought he was one of the the better junior A ball players that we'd seen come through in quite some time. Every once in a while there's those elite guys that uh, are just a step above everybody else, but the reason why I trade Noble is because he, I, I believe Rochester got two or... It ended up... It was a weird trade because they had used uh, a first-rounder they acquired um, in the Johnny Paulist trade, I think, to draft Noble, and then they turned that into, I believe, two more first-round picks. So It was almost like Paulist turned into three or four first-round picks or some weird math like that, but... Um, I would just trade Noble because the Nighthawks were able to get a lot for him when they did draft and trade him to uh, Colorado after Noble sat out for a little bit, but that's why I would trade Jeremy Noble because I think of those three guys, he's proven to have gotten a big return. And not that the other guys wouldn't either if they were on the uh, trading block, but uh, like you say, you got to play the cards that you're dealt here, right KD? So um So there's my uh, short-term, long-term trade. So if anybody does have a trio of players that they would like us to go at feel free to tweet them to us uh, at toronto rock lack short-term long-term trade we don't really have a hashtag for that because that would be really long and if we use the hashtag stl people might start thinking about st louis blues or something but uh anyway
1: so that's uh that segment in the bag there so uh, it's difficult. This isn't easy, folks. No, for sure. All three, uh, you know, players in both categories, even last week as well, uh, bring a lot to the table in, in different various ways, and uh, it's very tough to make a decision. But you know, someone has to get traded, someone has to get signed long term, and someone has to stick around short term.
0: We might have to do this with uh, <clears throat> maybe next week. We'll do it more with like prospects guys who haven't found their way onto an active roster yet, but maybe they're still on the practice roster battling for that spot who are you going to lock up uh, long term really that would be uh, anyways that's a thought for down the road so let's jump into our predictions here for this weekend the buffalo bandits toronto rock big east division matchup friday night air canada center seven thirty. great tickets still available torontorock.com who's going to win this one on friday night what's the score going to be kd
1: i got toronto bouncing back this weekend uh I think it's another great opportunity, as was last weekend, that wasn't capitalized on to, uh, you know, get a game on a division rival here and uh, really put Buffalo, you know, at least get the shovel digging into the ground here at 1-4 and four potentially, and uh, I'm going to go 13-11. I think the offense bounces back and uh, puts up more than eight there. Three of those goals from the previous week were on the power play, so five on five, only five goals, and I think, uh, you know, they're going to make some adjustments this week at practice, and... And shore that up a bit, but saying that uh, Buffalo's going to make a game of it as well. You know, it's going to be tight. I do think, I'm not sure the status of him, but if Dane Smith is not playing, that's just another reason to uh, to capitalize on an opportunity available here and, and get two points in the bag.
0: It is definitely an interesting situation with the fact that Dane Smith may not be playing, but here's the thing is, Buffalo was still able to score 21 goals a couple of weeks ago without him, so um... You know, you, you just don't know, I think, what you're going to get from the Bandits maybe right now just because of that injury. But, um, you know, I, I don't think Buffalo, you know, putting up 21 goals against Toronto is necessarily a possibility with or without Dane Smith. So um, I think I'm going to go, obviously, with Toronto. We have to pick Toronto, I think. It's in our uh, employment agreements here. We picked Toronto here uh, to win this game on Friday night and, like you said, to put the shovel on the ground and really make a statement here early on and put some distance between themselves and the bandits score wise. I think, what did you say? 13, 11, 13, 11. So I think I'm going to go, I do think the offense is going to wake up a little bit. I thought high scoring last week. I'm going to stick high scoring. I'm going to go 15, 10. So not too far off what you're thinking, but 15, 10, I think Rosie's going to have another good game. And, uh, You know, right now, I mean, Rosie's the best goaltender in the league. And statistically, you know, it it backs it up. Rosie's goals against average is 8.33, which is, what, 1.67 better than the next uh, closest, and his save percentage is second best in the league, I believe, at an even 800. So right now, Rosie is uh, pretty well, you know, after a month of the season, is the best goaltender in the NLL, and uh, when you go into a game, Against the bandits, uh, obviously it's good to have uh, a guy who's stopping the ball and, and playing really well. So, those are our predictions. So, a few thoughts to wrap things up here on the show. Uh, first, we're going to go to Kyle to talk a little bit about, uh, well, public service announcement. Because if uh, anybody saw the scrimmages on Saturday night or the scrimmage at halftime, sorry, it got it got a little heated. So. Kyle's got a few words of advice for everybody coming down to uh, participate in the scrimmages.
1: Yeah, for sure. It did. Uh, there was definitely the temperature did rise in that that halftime scrimmage there game between the Huntsville Hawks and the Center Wellington Mohawks. A uh, little bad blood as the game went on, but just want to let everyone know that it is participating. It is just a fun ten minute game to uh, get the opportunity to. You know, play play on the same floor as the pros, sit in the same bench as the pros, and uh, in front of a good crowd at the Air Canada Centre. We don't want uh, anyone getting hurt, obviously, but uh, want everyone to have fun and uh, you know make a a memory that they'll never forget. So, just moving forward, there we'll uh, we'll keep that one in mind.
0: Yes. Yeah, so we uh, should you know nobody got hurt on uh, Saturday night, but uh, we did. I think we had to kind of call an early end to the scrimmage. It was getting yep, a little too heated. So. Uh, Anyway, so make sure when you're coming down to the rock game, have a good time. Just uh, you're going out there for a nice run and uh, enjoy, drink it all in, as they like to say. So uh, I don't know if we got any other further thoughts leading into this weekend. Uh, don't forget to visit the post game party at uh, Jack Astor's Saint Lawrence Market location. Get your six dollar tall boys of Canuck Pale Ale, Great Lakes Brewery (GLB). Make sure you uh, we got to get the plug in for them. Enjoy a delicious. Uh, can of beer there perhaps after the game if that's uh, what you desire and um, obviously the country night uh, theme on Friday night is going to be great, last year Tebe put on a great performance at halftime, we're expecting the same thing from the Abrams this week and uh, make sure you share all that stuff on social media and get the good word out about the Rocks, so I don't know, you got anything else to throw at us here, KD, before we go?
1: Yeah, just uh, want to mention, but uh, to go off that Jack's comment there about the post-game party, um, I went to my... I missed the home opener post-game party, unfortunately, but went this past weekend and just was sitting there taking it all in, and there's no really other professional sport that you can go and The players are there, the cheerleaders are there, you can mingle with you know the players on the team they're open they're great guys talk to them about the sport life whatever it is you want and i I thought that was a very cool experience to see fans loving that and uh to be able to take part in that so head on over there for a great time and uh you know everyone's friendly and open to chat lacrosse or chat with you whatever it is so yeah
0: it's absolutely it's a great time and like you say it is one of those unique things about the national lacrosse league and uh, especially the Toronto Rock, and I think especially in the early days, it was a, a massive appeal to uh, fans that uh, they got to know the players, and in some cases, pretty personally. That uh, you know there were some friendships formed there between fans and players that you probably would never see in any other professional sports. So definitely worth uh, traveling down uh, Front Street, seventy-three Front Street East is the address. At Jack Astor is the St. Lawrence Market uh, location, and it's a big location. There's lots of space. It was pretty packed for the home opener, pretty well shoulder to shoulder. It was uh, it was full last week, full, a little more room to move around, I think, uh, a little bit less of a lineup to get in as well. So you, you do want to get over there uh, as quickly as possible after the game. So, say hello to the Rock Roadies who are also holding it down at the yep. front of the building there and uh supporting things as always and i believe we'll give them a quick little shout out to i think they're organizing a bus trip of their own down to rochester on saturday february the 18th all the information is on their facebook page and uh you can find jared harris somewhere Very easily, usually. (laughs) You can talk to him at the game uh, this weekend, I'm sure, if you're interested in that. Or just jump on their Facebook page and uh, potentially head down to the game in Rochester on Saturday, February the 18th. We also got bobblehead night coming up on February the 17th. And I think just actually before we recorded the show today, uh, Garrett Chisholm, our online content producer, was actually shooting a promo with Rosie who is the bobblehead this year. Uh, I think he's going to have a little fun with that, and I'm sure people have seen our Country Night commercial that uh, Garrett put together that was also pretty fun, too, that uh, has drawn a few laughs as well with uh, Casey Behrens involved. So um, I'll be back on the PA again this week. Bruce Barker uh, will not be back this week. Still uh, unsure of that return date, but did have a chance to – speak to barks a little bit uh he's uh, still fighting still working his way back just says he's not quite a hundred percent so he will not be uh on the mic i'll be back on the mic this week again at air canada center got to thank the fans who really got into it i thought uh, late in the game where uh we're a big reason why the team was able to come back at the end so keep that in mind when you're at the games to make sure that you're loud, making some noise, because the boys really feel it and uh, certainly feed off that. And they're going to need it this Friday night when the Rock take on the Buffalo Bandits' long-term rivals. So uh, <clears throat> pardon me. I guess that'll bit wrap things up for the program here this week. We have to thank our guests, Matt Sawyer and Bradley Cree, for dropping by on the show. And uh, that'll just about do it. So in the meantime, and in between time, for Kyle Davis, I am Mike Hancock saying we'll chat soon.
3: Stop the rum.
0: Stop the rum.